we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. episode of gratuitous sex and violence the podcast where we hold a seance to the schlocky demons of sex and violence come now come fill this room fill this room holy demon you see i'm i'm an agnostic so i you don't believe i don't i don't appeal to any demons i'm sorry you i'm sorry (laughs) We can't do this if you don't believe, Ned. True, true. Sight, I just can't do it. Sight unseen, no. My name is Orlando. I'm joined by my guest, co-host, and roommate, Ned. How's it going, Ned? Oh, you know, just uh, chilling like something villainous. Like a villain. Yeah. Like a schlocky villain? Uh, pretty schlocky villain, yeah. Definitely. Always schlocky. Always like, always schlocky, always sloppy. I felt like know? Dr. Evil doing that. A schlocky villain? <laughs> An evil petting zoo? <laughs> uh, tonight we are watching... Uh, you know, we have had so much fun, I think, like watching horror movies that uh, have a have a feminist bent to them. So I figure, let's, let's make it three. Let's make it another three. This one... Right on. This one's a slightly different from the other two. The other two, like, explore similar things themes this one is kind of taking a different angle on womanhood okay okay we're watching drag me to hell a 2009 american supernatural horror film directed by sam raimi it's written by raimi with his older brother ivan and it stars allison loman and justin long Uh, this film the story focuses on a loan officer who has a curse placed on her and her subsequent attempts to rid of her uh, rid herself of the curse before she's plunged into the depths of hell to burn for eternity. Dang, I mean, that's, uh, I guess it's a pretty high-stakes situation, you know, just <laughs> trying to... I'd rather not be dragged to hell today, so I guess we should deal with that. Yeah, yeah, let's break the curse. Why Why don't we? Please, yeah, you know. Have you, gotta... have you ever seen this movie? Uh, I have not, no. Have you uh, heard of this movie? Uh, the title sounds vaguely familiar. I'm not. I'm not conjuring up a strong image of box art. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did it have like particularly memorable box art, or was the, it the a box more art? Generic? This is the box art, or the poster art. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Not. Not ringing any bells for me. Um. So when this came out in 2009, it was sort of seen as a return to form for Sam Raimi. He kind of spent. Uh, the 90s and early 2000s kind of branching out but he started out as a horror director he directed uh, the Evil Dead trilogy Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness Uh, then he kind of you know branched them to different genres western superhero movies Uh, he directed the the first Spider-Man trilogy for Sony uh, which the first two movies are great. Spider-Man 2 is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Yeah, Spider-Man 3 is one of the worst superhero movies of all time. <laughs> you can't win them all, Sam. When they go low, we go high, you know what I mean? Right. Like- <laughs> so after he was done uh, with all that, he went back into and made a horror movie. So this was like a return to form for him. Okay. Now, Sam Raimi has a very distinctive style, like a visual style. He's very... Um, cinematic uh, and uses a lot of 
camera techniques and tricks to tell a story. Uh, when it comes to horror, he's known for like mixing like this very visceral terror with kind of like slapstick violence. In fact, um, him and Bruce Campbell have both spoken about how in Evil Dead 2, the inspiration for a lot of the set pieces were the Three Stooges. So it has like this like heightened slapstick comedy um, feel to it while at the same time functioning as a terrifying horror movie. Yeah, you know, that that idea doesn't make the least sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because, yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, for, for any form of slapstick comedy, you... Uh, you know, there, there's, you know, that sense of setup and mm-hmm. payoff and, um, uh, you know, it requires, you know, very, uh, very great physical specificity. Right. Um, and they're both contingent on timing, horror and, and comedy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So that's actually, uh, that's really interesting and really cool to hear. And I look forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah. So and another thing to, to kind of keep in mind, like the last two movies, we... A lot of the discussion that we had was, you know, was this successful as satire? Yeah. You know, that was the big thing. Like, sure, they had funny moments in it, but, you know, did the satire sacrifice the horror and all the? So I thought it would be cool to watch a movie where I feel, at least, and we'll see how you think, but I feel like both elements are really well executed in this one. Okay. So this is, like, firmly, like, a, a horror movie, but it has comedic elements, and I think that the comedy... Uh, is, is in service of the horror and vice versa. Um, this movie was not a big success when it came out. So not a lot of people have seen it, actually. But yeah. it was pretty well critically received. Again, it was it was hailed as a return to form for Sam. Nice. So, if you guys are interested in watching this movie at home, all you gotta do is go to the Stars app and watch it. It's available to stream there, or if you have Stars on Amazon or Hulu. Otherwise, you can just rent it. It's a fun movie. You will not be disappointed. Are you ready to watch Drag Me to Hell? Drag me to drag me to hell, Orlando. All right. We're gonna break and watch this movie. Then we'll be right back. We'll play some trivia and discuss it at length. We'll see y'all on the other side. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. And we are back! Yes! Oh my god! We just watched Drag Me to Hell. First reactions. All right, this this one's a tough one for me mm-hmm. because I feel like I have some conflicting feelings about this one. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be one where I'm not sure, like I'm not sure what my top line is yet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that as far as like you know meaty horror film themes go, I think this movie has a lot of good things going on. Um, right. Certainly, as you alluded to at the top, um, I think they they do a really interesting job of 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 like having a character who like of of like our leading characters just like, you know, the 
the kinds of expectations that she has right. and, and 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 the sort of the core conflict and how that has like broader implications. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of that like theming stuff for this idea of like, you know, complicity and guilt mm-hmm. and um you know, and and like atoning for transgressions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I think a lot of that stuff is like right on. Mm-hmm. Um we were talking about like the slapstick influence that this right. movie has. Um, a lot of camp and, in this movie, and and well, and and it's like I was really interested in seeing how that played out, and I think that I'm I'm dealing with I I don't I don't know if it's like tonal inconsistency for me or something mm-hmm. like that. But it's a weird mix. It's mm. a weird mix. The final mix that this film sort of landed on as far as like the sort of the horror elements, but also like just how how the physicality of the horror elements kind of ended up getting executed. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it, it got like it almost felt very cartoony in very many mobile. ways. There's yeah, a absolutely. lot. Of, yeah. Like there's a lot of weird like. Sight gags, like mm-hmm. and and yeah, so and that's I mean that's uh, as far as like Sam Raimi and horror, that's pretty much his calling card. Like all of his horror movies, yeah. have this heightened slapstick, cartoony vibe to them. Yeah, uh, and and it's been a while since I, I I did see The Evil Dead, but like it has been a very very mm-hmm. long time since I've seen it. So like I remember the first Evil Dead movie feeling a little feeling a little like grittier than this so like so yeah this one is it's interesting so i'm i'm still trying to figure out how i feel about how those sort of heightened cartoony slapsticky horror worked for me um i do think this movie relies a fair bit on like loud jump scares a little bit Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of that and and a lot of like like, clearly they seem to spend a lot of time on just, like, getting the microphones as close to every physical <laughs> object as possible. And, like, making sure that, like, when you hear the pans on the kitchen thing rustling against each other, it's the loudest fucking thing you hear. Um, Make you so, uncomfortable. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, making you really uncomfortable and just, like, blasting that sound at you. Um, I think it, it makes sense. It makes sense to do that, but like when it comes to the jump scares, it felt a little like okay, like what 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 else you got? A little bit like what else you got in your back pocket? And 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 yeah, just like some of the more absurd like physicality stuff, it just like I don't know. It's like it, it went back and forth between like is this horror or is this cringe comedy? Like I just I I don't know where I land on it. Mm-hmm. So so those are some of the things I'm 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 wrestling with. Yeah, I mean Evil Dead uh I would say is definitely the most subdued of his horror movies, but starting with Evil Dead 2, that's really where they ratchet up yeah. the the comedy and horror of it. You well, really and, and I mean you one, really have to watch it as a comedy horror. I don't think if you go expecting like a straight terrifying, like if you go expecting Hellraiser, I think you're going to be really disappointed. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is that I I guess I I guess maybe 
I don't know. Considering how I, I'm not that familiar with Sam Raimi's work beyond like the Spider-Man movies, um, which also have quite a bit of cheese in them. Yeah, they do have a fair <laughs> bit of cheese in them. But 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 I sort of I thought of them more as like they're polished. So I was right. kind of expecting this horror film to have like you know maybe a little bit of comedic sensibility, but mainly to just kind of be like a well-polished mm. horror film. So right. I just I wasn't ready for I wasn't ready for kind of like how campy and outrageous it is, and it's like. It's weird because I think it's like if some of those weird, I guess, like, quote unquote, comedic touches were meant to be comedic, it was, I don't know. I I, I don't know if it was just maybe that my own expectations were dampening my ability to, like, lean into the comedy. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when we get to the one moment where, like, the lady's arm goes all the way in Christine's, like, mouth, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, like... I I I could it wasn't like funny. It was weird. It was just like it was just like creepy and absurd and weird. So like I couldn't I hey, creepy, was, absurd and weird pretty much nails well, the yeah. tone of this movie. So, so I'm just so like so like yeah, so I'm just I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around like this this use of these like comedic physical devices to to elicit this like kind of weird because it's like it still makes me feel uneasy which right. again like good horror does do it's that sometimes do that, like right? there's a lot of like yeah there's there's definitely yeah there's like obviously scares that you get out and of there horror. are a couple of scenes of legitimate i think like pulse pounding tension and suspense for sure no absolutely like i think the movie does actually handle a fair amount of that well of like building of anticipation like i think like all that stuff is like pretty you know pretty good like uh part part of good for sure so so yeah i'm just like i'm I'm, it's just it's just yeah it's the other weird outrageous (laughs) stuff that like kind of makes you just (laughs) and also just Oh, the face of the goat when the goat had the beast and suddenly you, you have the like like I was just like, what is going on? Like I, I love the goat. The it goat was is great. hilarious. Like, yeah. Like I think at that moment I was yeah. Like that's the tone. Yeah, you gotta uh, A little bit. Well a little bit. Like yeah. So, so You gotta buy yeah. into that level. Uh, Sam Raimi has said that he set out to create a horror film with lots of wild moments and lots of suspense (laughs) and big shocks that will hopefully make audiences jump. But uh, he said he also wanted to have a lot of dark humor sprinkled throughout. Definitely has a lot of dark humor throughout. Yeah, yeah. uh, There's more to discuss. There's definitely more to discuss Mm -hmm. in the sections, I think, too. So, um... Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll dive into that in a second. First, let's play some Drag Me to Hell trivia! Yeah! Okay. How are you feeling about the details in this movie? (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. Like, the thing is, like, again, like, the movie has, like, a polish to it that Mm -hmm. I think... And like you know, there's there's a there's a there's an efficiency to like a, an efficiency and a clarity to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe the details. There's definitely a clarity to the storytelling, and I will I will say before we get into the trivia and the discussion, just as a, as a general preface, there is an underlying subtext I believe to this movie, and every single decision is back is in creative decision is kind of backed up backed by this substance and we'll see if if maybe you can land on it when we before we actually name what it is but um okay this is like confirmed by the director that this is what the subtext is pretty much okay cool yeah but it's not it's i don't don't know if he's like actually come out to say but he's like hinted at it and then and then there's lots of like 
blogs and stuff where people talk like it's a generally it's, accepted. It's, it's a ge- the generally accepted. Theory. Okay, cool. Of um, the movie, I, I, I can I can I can jive with that. Okay, so cool. um, so this is the trivia. We're gonna do five questions plus a bonus. The questions go in order from least difficult to most difficult. Yeah. The grand prize is bragging rights. Okay, cool. Here comes question number one. Starting you nice and easy. What is the name of the vengeful spirit which harasses Christine? It's like. My God! Like they were saying it so they many. They mentioned it so many times. Yeah, they mentioned it so many times, but that one just couldn't stick in my brain. It was like a um Amaria. So I was like um a um something. Come on, this is question um, number one. I know, I know. <laughs> Don't give me this. Okay, um, it was. Uh, uh, I didn't even put the sports ball question. Um, first. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Good. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't. Clearly, I don't need the help. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like, I, I don't know. It was it was weird because they kept saying it, but like for some reason, I couldn't see it written out in my head. So it just didn't stick in my head for me. So it's like, uh, um, 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 me something. Um, me something. And I'm just going to say that's my answer. Um, me something. So the correct answer is the Lamia. The Lamia. Okay, uh, me, the so Lamia. I missed I missed I missed the the at the beginning. L A M I A the Lamia. The Lamia. The Lamia. Um, again, like that one that one's a little indefensible on my part cuz again, they did totally mention it multiple like times. Every five it just I don't know, it's just it's a demon. It's a hell demon. It's a hell demon. What what, what are we got to What what's in a hell demon's name, huh? No, the Lamia is an interesting name for this demon. Uh there is actually a Lamia in mythology. It's, okay. It comes from Greek mythology. Okay. Uh and it's actually Lamia was a Libyan queen who um was cursed by Zeus and part of the curse was that she hungered for flesh. Okay. Uh, specifically, uh, the flesh of children, and so she's kind of used as in in the folklore. She's kind of used as a boogeyman because uh, she stalks the countryside looking for children to devour. And the parents will tell their kids, you know, you have to get into bed, go to bed, or else the lamia will get you. Okay. So that's okay. kind of how she's used. So the, that's where the lamia comes from. All right. So we're zero for one. <laughs> Not starting great here. No. But here comes question number two. What type of cake does Christine bake for her visit to Clay's family? Oh, she bakes them a harvest cake. A harvest cake. See, I can look. When it comes to baking, I I, Uh, I can appreciate it. Christine's backstory is that she grew up on a farm. Yeah. And she was maybe a little chunkier when she was younger. Yeah. Uh, In fact, the movie starts with her... Uh, listening to addiction tape, yeah. so so it's very obvious. I feel like the movie is about her trying to escape her past. Yeah, this is the thing. So so as far as like the thematic stuff, I there's a lot that I really like about how, um, yeah, how she yeah she she clearly is. It, 
she's clearly trying to fit into like a different kind of role. She's trying to like build a different kind of life for mm-hmm. herself and um and she's trying to like prove that she is up to like this different kind of life that she wants right. for herself. Uh so she, you know, she's working on her diction to like get rid of her accent from the farm days. Mm-hmm. Um it's clear that there's a lot of frustration and tension around the fact that um her boyfriend's parents keep calling her the farm girl when right. that's like what she doesn't she, that's not what her deal is yeah. anymore and mm-hmm. um and and she is very skinny in this movie though like you know the the grandchild of the of the Romani woman who sets the story in motion uh you know makes that comment about how she she must have been heavier formerly and the so, photo that she finds um and and the photo too so so uh, but, but yeah so there's it's it's like there yeah there's a lot of hints that are being thrown at us about how she's she's trying to fit into a different kind of lifestyle um and and sort of like the the moral implications that come with that mm-hmm. um so so yeah a lot of that stuff i found like really interesting that they were dabbling in yeah all right, so you got that one. That one was uh, an easier one um, right. than the first one turned out. Uh, no, no, the, the, fir- the first one was the easiest question. Like, like I, I want to be clear here. This, you, you, you asked me the easiest question. I got it wrong right. for sure. Well, here we go. Here comes question number three. At Indeed. the very beginning of the movie, we're we're encountered by a boy who who is cursed with the Lamia spirit. What did the boy steal from the gypsies? Um, he stole a necklace. A necklace. Yes. And they attempted to return it, and I guess at that point is when they placed the curse on the necklace, and they decided not to take yeah, it. Yeah, that that was a detail that I wasn't so sure about, because I think, or I guess I was wondering if maybe the necklace itself got cursed, but then when he stole it... I, I was wondering if the necklace itself oh, was cursed before the boy took it, because and and then that's why when they tried to give it back they refused or something like that. That was that was what my I impression is that they cursed it, it um, because especially based on how the curse works yeah. later in the movie. That well, 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 just because it, it seemed like when um when when the lady put the curse on the button, mm-hmm. she seemed to have to be present. Right. She seemed to have to have it in her clutches. So I so I so I wouldn't be sure how that would work if the boy had the the necklace in his possession. Well, because they the because they tried to return it and they they decided not they didn't take it back. So so it would have been cursed by that point, right? What I'm guessing is that when the boy went to return it. Then they cursed the object and said, no, that's yours now. That's the way I'm guessing. Maybe. Like, as retribution. You stole it? Well, here's a curse on the object. Take it. That's how I kind of... Yeah, it. yeah. They were they were a little shy on the details there, admittedly. But the opening is a pretty effective, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, It's a great definitely. way to start the movie. I, I like... Yeah, I like that opening. Um, especially because, like, the whole time you're like, okay, when are we going to get a call back to this, you know, medium lady? Yeah. And then the, I think that, personally, the seance scene is my favorite scene in the movie. It's so fucking good. I agree. I, I really liked all the stuff with the seance, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I, I really liked the payoff of, of going back to the medium. Mm-hmm. Later in the movie, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought opening the movie that way and then and then having that callback towards the end was was great. I really enjoyed that. All right, here comes question number four. Okay, uh, we talked about how she finds an old picture in a cookbook of her younger self. 
Um, it's she's presenting an animal at a fair, and there's the sign behind her that has the name of the fair. What is the name Ooh. of the fair? That's a good question. Um, mm. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm gonna say... I don't know, the... 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 The Meadow Town Fair? <laughs> the... The Farm Town Fair? The... The Big Hog Fair? The correct answer, you were close to the last one. The correct answer is the Pork Queen Fair. Okay, fair enough. Which, it's it's funny because when the goat gets the Lamia, one of the things that the goat yells at her is like, Pork Queen! Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, I, was, I, I was missing a lot of the dialogue during the seance scene. That was the one thing. Like, mm. I don't know, just like because of how loud the all the effects were and all the chaos. So, so I feel like I was missing a lot of really mm-hmm. great lines there when uh, that happened. I mean, and also because Sean is like... Speaking in Spanish the whole time too, so one well, and there is that too. So yeah, um, it, I mean, I, there's a lot of references uh, to to pork or pigs in the movie, like when when uh, Stu uh, is doing the tapping on on Christine's desk and she yells at him and says, "Get your pig hooves off my desk!" and um, and then of course like the pork queen stuff. Uh, it's I think call it's that's kind of like the undercurrent about how. Christine sees herself or her former self is what, what I'm gathering from that is because she's uh, when she was chubby she was the pork queen hmm. so now she's you know trying to move away from that past uh, so she kind of like sees herself as as a, like a pig or pork pork like swine like hmm. in a lot of ways Interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, all right so. It comes the hardest question. I, le- I left the sports ball question for the. End. I I appreciate that. <laughs> oh man, this uh, this is a bad quiz. This is a this, bad this quiz. This is a bad quiz. I I don't know. Like the I don't know if maybe something in the mixing was off that I just missed a lot of things that were said. But anyways, well, I'm not gonna make excuses. We all have our good days. We all have our bad days. Uh, give me the fifth question. What does Stu gift Mister Jax to kiss up? Uh, he gives him a pair of tickets to a sports ball event. Of Which, some what sort. team? That's what I'm looking for. What oh, team? Mm, uh, okay. If it's if they're in LA, then it's the Los Angeles. Fudge. Uh, the, the Los, Los Angeles Fudge is not correct. No, that's not my answer. Um, it's like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the Los Angeles... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what team's Los Angeles has the sports. Um, you don't know a single team from Los Angeles? No, I don't. Kobe Bryant played for this team. I don't know... What? It's basketball, right? Yeah. The Los Angeles basketball. It's the Lakers. The LA the Lakers, Lakers. Sure. Great. Whatever. The fucking Lakers. <laughs> Woohoo. Sports ball. Yeah. Lakers tickets. Man. Uh, Stu's whole character was 
deliciously smarmy, and uh, I, li- I like the yeah. What a, what a yeah. I, I appreciated that whole like office dynamic of right. Like, that's what he's I was always swooping in to her, her, him, and Mister Jacks. Like we're we're both like guilty of of treating Christine like the the office lady. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, there. Well, and 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 this was what I appreciated about it is that, like, you know, you definitely got a sense of just kind of like the inherent sort of misogyny of like the office culture that she is doing her best to like still put on a good face and like be cooperative mm-hmm. and 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 you know to sort of like prove that she's tough enough to like roll with the guys and stuff like that. But like, they just they constantly are steamrolling her, and yeah. and it's like such a boys' club with the two yeah, of them and, and uh yeah like, like the way like the way yeah like the way they have culture. like all yeah like all those glances at each other right. like in the in the you know the the lounge and stuff mm-hmm. like that so yeah no Stu asked for spicy mustard he didn't he never said no mayo yeah that's a thing like the yeah the yeah totally gaslighting her like yeah. that you know like fuck that like not cool uh, this, uh, so you, you did not do very well. No, not at all. <laughs> but you Dude. got the bonus. You're probably not going to get the bonus. I don't think I am. <laughs> Does it involve more sports ball? I have, no, it doesn't. Okay. I have no faith at this point. Uh, maybe you will. There's, <laughs> o- there's only a very few select type of movies that you can pick from. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I so, appreciate the pep talk. So... Sylvia Ganush or Mrs. Ganush, the uh, the uh, the Hungarian Romani lady, um, she drives a huge yellow car. It's actually a yellow Delta eighty eight. Okay. And this is the same car that's used in which other Sam Raimi film? It's it's uh, it's don't think of it too hard because it's really the obvious one. Evil Dead. Correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I feel no, and I feel like and I feel like I vaguely actually kind of remember it a mm-hmm. little bit. Like I just I had to take a moment, make sure there wasn't another big obvious Sam Raimi right, film right. I wasn't thinking of. It's but. great because uh, so I I mean I love. Sam Raimi, I full disclosure, I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. Oh, it's cool. Uh, and I love the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Uh, and there is a the series Ash versus the Evil Dead, which is fantastic, and it's all this tone. Also, it's all horror and slapstick comedy. Yeah. Um, but Bruce Campbell's amazing in it, and they actually have the <laughs> the Delta eighty eight in the show. Also, oh, that's dope. Because that's, that's, that's Ash's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like I had vague memories of that car from mm-hmm. from the Evil Dead. Um, and and now that I think about it too. I I remember like back in the high school days, a friend of mine I think sort of sat me down. Was like, we're watching the Evil Dead, so we watched that. Nice. Then we started the Evil Dead two, but we never finished it. And I remembered like the Evil Dead two seemed to pretty much retread a lot of the territory of Evil Dead one. The first except few like minutes, yeah. yeah, except like that. All of it was again more slapsticky by that. Because the thing about like I had noticed the shift in tone between Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two. The thing about Evil Dead Two also it's that it had a higher budget. Exactly. So people, so when they went into it, they were like, "Okay, we got to people who watch this are not going to be familiar with the first Evil Dead." Yeah. So So we have to recap it for like the first twenty minutes, and then after the first, it's like a really quick and dirty recap, and then after that, everything else that happens is pretty much only in Evil Dead Two. Exactly. Yeah. 
But uh, which I found so strange. But, but it's it's fantastic. But, Evil but Dead Two, yeah, <laughs> is like his masterpiece. That's his best movie, I think, to his okay. to this day. Okay. Um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, this <laughs> film, uh, the Evil Dead films are pretty hard R-rated films. This film is the only PG-13 rated horror film that he directed. Yeah, now, full <laughs> disclosure, we did have a little bit of trouble starting the Stars app or getting it to oh, work. Oh, did we? <laughs> so we had to watch my personal copy of Drag Me to Hell. Drag, and The one that I have is the unrated version. The one on Stars is the PG-13 version. Okay. There's really only a couple of changes between the versions. The first one is that the scene where she gets the nosebleed, there's a lot more blood in the rated R version, including blood coming out of her mouth, where in the PG-13 version, it's only coming out of her nose. You still get the spray and the splatter, but you don't get yeah, blood coming the, out of her like mouth. Yeah, like enough that the boss is worried that it's getting right. in his mouth, right? right? So... <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. Well, that was the thing about that scene because I was just like, well, "Why you you were just like blasting blood out of your nose and mouth? Right. Like, why are you not going to the hospital yeah, right now? Exactly. Why do you immediately go straight to the woman's house? Can I get so, it in my mouth? I love yeah, that line. That was that was pretty fun. Uh, and then the <laughs> second scene that's significantly toned down between the versions is the kitty sacrifice scene. In the PG thirteen version, she's holding up the knife and she says "kitty kitty," and we see a shot of the kitty that's just sleeping comfortably and then the next shot is her actually burying the kitty in the unrated version we don't see the kitty lying peacefully what we see is christine's knife coming down and then blood just gushing up yeah from the cat getting I, I did like that shot mm-hmm. i i <laughs> That was fun. Well, and also just like the transition from like <laughs> it, it, that that was that was a great joke setup. Just yeah. with all like you know her absolute refusal at the idea of animal sacrifices, mm-hmm. and then reading the book, and then just like you know that awful awful encounter in the bedroom, and just like everything mm-hmm. going to hell, and then the next shot being here, Kenny Kenny. I was like. <laughs> So, so like, so like, so that's the thing is that like, yes, like the movie definitely has like comedy chops like Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, using the rule of threes, set up and pay off. So like, like, and all that stuff is great. It's just like, I, I don't know where like her arm being in her mouth, (laughs) like that shot is still, and also like the attack in the car when like she's gnawing on her face because she lost her teeth. Like, I was just, I, We're going to get to all of that in a second. Okay. Um, Now, uh, another interesting thing about the movie is that... So this came out in 2009. So it really is like a post-housing crisis film. In fact, the whole film hinges on a lady being foreclosed pretty much. Yeah. And and here's the other thing, too, is that... um, uh, Who knows whether we'll talk about this in later sections. But, um, like... It's interesting, like, like I get what the film's kind of going for as far as like you know just this, this guilt that, this guilt that you know Christine's obviously like carrying over her head, and mm-hmm. and and the film is very deliberate about the fact that like you know she specifically is the one who makes the choice, and so like throughout the film there's like that just repeated like her trying to deny 
trying to deny her responsibility did, right. and to put mm-hmm. it off on her right. boss and stuff like that. Um, and and then obviously, like you know, the final moment of closure where she like admits mm-hmm. that she did the wrong thing, right. and um, and and that is of course the moment she gets dragged to hell. So like, so like, so like, I get all of that stuff, and um, and actually, it's interesting that this is happening in the midst of the housing crisis because right. like. In my opinion, the villain, like, she's not really the villain of the film. It's the fucking bank. The bank is the actual bad guy here. (laughs) She is, you know, unfortunately, a person who is trying to make her own way in this lovely system we call capitalism. And like her boss told her she had to be more ruthless. And and exactly, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's just like you have like the you have the fact that she's being gaslit by her coworkers mm-hmm. and she's trying her best to like put her best forward. Get the promotion. And and her boss and so it's like on the one hand that doesn't necessarily absolve her of personal responsibility completely, right. but also it's like it's the fact that like she is still operating in the midst of a larger bad system yeah. because I mean, you know, I I have massive issues with just credit as a whole. Mm-hmm. I hate credit. I think it's terrible. It's just you know it's just how those with power are ultimately going to come to end up owning our souls basically. Right. Um, but uh, and and again that's fitting that I use that term for this movie since it's a film about right. our souls being damned to hell. But like yeah so 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 that and 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 it fascinates me that that this movie exists in the midst of the housing crisis mm-hmm. because like because the housing crisis is like a just a pivotal example of the failure of the system right. the fact that like so many people's lives have been destroyed by the uber wealthy mm-hmm. just shirking their responsibilities to create a stable market mm-hmm. so um so yeah, while I get the theming and the idea of like her own personal responsibility, right. I can't necessarily separate. That I think out that's from part of her fighting her own demons. I don't think that the movie necessarily may- means for us to think that she is the villain. I don't see her as the villain of the of the. I, d- I yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I definitely and, and, feel sorry for the fact that she wasn't able to break the curse. I mean, I I was I was rooting yeah, for her. I was in her corner. Yeah, exactly. Same, and and, and that's the thing is that like yeah, clearly the movie is. Yeah, you know, I mean, she's definitely the protagonist and all that stuff. It's just, it's just more that, like, you know, the movie just, it's just sort of like the 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 moral plane on which the movie is operating. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that, like, the whole arc of the film is about the whole arc of the film is about her taking responsibility for how she personally transgressed against the person. Mm-hmm. And while yes, she did, like in the literal sense. Um, it's just, you know, it's just the fact that it's placed within this she was larger context. Con- yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it's the fact that she's placed within this larger context of just like the the fact that the banks are, you know, evil. Are, <laughs> the banks are evil and, <laughs> and the, they will drive and, you and, to and, hell. <laughs> and, 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 and the whole system of mortgages is evil. Mm-hmm. So, like, so that's that's just part of what frustrates me about about this moral plane that the movie is operating on. So let's go to the first of our GSV segments. The first one's called Shot, 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 Shot. All right, how many deaths in the movie? 
Well, uh, I, I assume if one is dragged into hell, then that is That's a, death, a death, right? Yeah, okay, cool. So, uh, one, two, three, four. Four. What do you got? Four. What do you got? Oh, uh, we've got uh, the the young boy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, the medium from the beginning mm-hmm. at the Sean end. Sandina. Mm-hmm. Sean Sandina. Um, we've got uh, the uh, the Romani lady mm-hmm. at the bank. And then we've got uh, Christine. And uh, I guess if you wanted to... S- Throw Kitty in there. That would be five. Sure, I guess. You know, you know what? Kitty, Kitty was Kitty, suitably Kitty. adorable. <laughs> she um, was so cute. And so, yeah, that's that's fair. That's totally fair. But Kitty. yeah, four human, four human deaths for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, were the deaths fairly memorable? Do you think, or the 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 violence surrounding? <laughs> yeah. The deaths? Well, I guess that not mu- not that much memorable about the Romani lady's death. She died sure. off screen. Um, yeah, she died off screen. Although, again, in death, well, she was well, very well, memorable. Well, and and yeah, that's the thing is that like the, who who can't like who who can fail to remember just her. Her penchant for gnawing on poor Christine's face. <laughs> Even as dead, with the Even embalming while fluid. Even dead, she's... Just, <laughs> that just... That was just so wholly unpleasant. Like, that was just... That was just a situation... Like, I just... I Like, that's the thing. That was like a cringe comedy And grabbing her hair me. also. And just yeah, tearing her so much hair, hair. Poor, yeah, poor Christian's scalp. Like, oh, that's so awful. Poor. I'm glad that you mentioned the gross out effects. So the gross out effects were created by Bruce Jones. He was the visual effects supervisor. They did a whole bunch of different techniques to create the effects, including green screen, puppets, prosthetics, CGI. Um, and I think that they were pretty effective. I know that... You were talking about the quality of them, but I'm going to, again, preface this by saying that Sam Raimi likes to use campy, cheesy effects in his movie. So a lot of that wacky, weird CGI is deliberate. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, is that I'm, I, I actually like... Uh, I, I I think ultimately I am probably a little more forgiving of it than I was like immediately after the movie. Mm-hmm. Like like again like I can appreciate yeah the fact that it does contribute to the sense of camp that the right. movie has and and that it is it is a little jaunty and a little cartoony in the way it carries. The way itself, that I like so. to describe Sam Raimi's uh, approach to horror it's it's like a fun house. It's like you know those. <laughs> It's it's literally like the haunted manor at Disneyland. You know a little bit. You know and and and. And I can respect that. Mm-hmm. I like. I can actually respect that. Like that's that's cool. Cause like, yeah, most horror tends to kind of be like, how can I outgrit you? You know right. what I mean. So so I do appreciate. I do appreciate bringing a sense of fun to the horror. Mm-hmm. Like that's. You see, this is the thing. This is why I couldn't do. This is why I couldn't do my top line in the beginning. I had uh-huh. to talk all this out. Yeah. I had to. I had right. to get it out right. there. Just get it on the canvas. See what sticks. <laughs> and so so so. Well, whether, depending on where I fall in the end, whether regardless of whether I fall in the end, um, yeah, I can I can respect that specific, like just that that he does have that specific kind of an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's that's good on good on you, good on you, mate. Oh yeah, those are the things that I think Sam Raimi fans come to expect. They wanna they wanna see like some three stooges horror. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and 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 certainly this movie provides it cuz like yeah, the the like yeah, like the 
the the different ways that she gets haunted are great. Like right. like the way she's like being whipped around mm-hmm. the room. Um, the seance scene the is seance fantastic. Is so good, yeah. It is really great. Um, uh, it's um, uh, yeah. So. Unlike yeah. un, unseen spirits just slapping the shit out of people left and right. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Like liter- literally slapstick. Like liter- right. like whoosh, like just really wet slaps. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. So um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a fun romp. Other than the embalming fluid, the other big like uh, and I guess the blood coming yeah, out the of the spewing nose. blood. Uh, there's like the, also like the vomiting of the maggots. That's the one I'm going to highlight. That's the other big like gross out uh, effect. It's really interesting that those those maggots were actually made out of pasta. But really? They look really gross. Yeah. You see, I could deal with that. Look, I'm a pasta fiend. Mm-hmm. I love pasta. Mm-hmm. I could eat it 24/7 if it weren't for the fact that like the carb crash would kill me. Um so like yeah, that 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 wouldn't be a bad day of film shooting. But yeah, no. In the moment watching it awful. Awful yeah, awful it's to so see. so gross. Um Every single set piece in the movie, I think, is really clever. And, like, every single one, I don't know, uh, I mean, Sam Raimi does use a lot of storyboards. I don't know how tightly these shots were, these scenes were storyboarded, but they all, like you said about the follow-through and all that, they all have, like, these great little, like, set-up punchline, set-up punchline, set-up punchline. Yeah. And it all works, like, to create, like, this this atmosphere and sequences. The very first one that we get is is the attack in in the car which is also great. Well, uh, you, you you know here here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. I think I think the 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 attack in the car again like so the attack in the car is like the first big like kind of horror set piece right. other than the prologue, right? Right. So like what's what kind of fucked me up about that one is just the fact that, like, we weren't necessarily dealing with anything otherworldly, supernatural. Right. Yeah, like, to that point. like, and so, so the fact that it got that heightened when, in fact, it was a real person attacking her—that just that that I think is part of where where I start where I come back to my like tonal inconsistency note is just that like 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 on the one hand it's like yeah if we're talking about like it's just like all the supernatural shit then like yeah that makes sense but like I I just I had a really hard time kind of like clinging to a sense of credibility about like the fact that this attack in the car was literally happening mm-hmm. just because it's like it's so brutal like mm-hmm. it's just it is it, really it's, brutal. it's like over the top and and it's like looney tunes brutal like right. that's the yeah, point exactly is, and, <laughs> and so but but like like honestly i thought it was like a hallucination for mm. most of it like that's the thing interesting is like that i i thought that it was like oh the curse maybe is already in effect or something because like obviously the the setup for the movie is it's about a curse right so i was like okay we're we're waiting for the curse to happen so like when she was like you know going fucking ham on christine in the car i was like oh this is like some fucking curse hallucination she's having right now so that just kind of ripped me out of it and then and then to kind of be like oh wait no this is actually happening and like she literally stabbed her and and then she literally stabbed the romani woman like up the throat with the thing so the ruler yeah so 
so so I think that 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 made it that made it a little tough to kind of onboard me to the rest of the film. You know what I mean? Because and personally, because, I like it because I feel like that's where you like if you're gonna buy into the movie. I think this, it's really smart to to be like, okay, we're going to start with something that's maybe a little more over the top than some of the middle section stuff before we get to the really over the top stuff at the end, because they're like, hey, if you're good, we just want you to know what you're in for. Maybe, maybe. I mean, again, it's just well, and also it's like part of it, and 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 maybe I can expand on this a little more in in section three. Uh, it's just like. It was also tough for me to get on board with it because, like, again, I had a lot of empathy for for the woman for, like, being denied an extension on her mortgage. And, like, you know. Yeah, so she's in a tough spot, Like, I I, I really, like, I really felt a ton of empathy Mm -hmm. for her. So I... I personally didn't really appreciate that they literally then turned her into a fucking monster. Mm -hmm. Like... That just that that just it it just yeah it 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 just it it it, it kind of it it really pulled me out of like the gravity of like the way Christine transgressed against mm-hmm. her you know just the fact that like you follow up that whole sequence of events and again like because things also get very physical in the bank too like yeah. it got very physical in the bank before the security right. guards had to remove the lady but like even that like still kind of made sense for me that I was like oh god like she, like 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 that idea that this woman like had wrathful feelings towards her in that scene in the bank like made total sense to me um and and that it even got that physical was like whoa that that was really intense so then to follow that up with that entire sequence in the car in the parking garage afterwards just like took it to a whole nother different place that just completely wrenched me out of like you know, out of the real gravity of like that situation. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that that. So yeah, I think that that sequence kind of just it, it made it tough for me to kind of like keep my finger on the pulse of the movie mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, and and because like while again, like while the sequence itself, just like as far as like how outrageously blocked right on its own, like in a vacuum, is a lot of fun. It just like for 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 its context of like where it is in the movie, it just kind of pulled me out, and so I think like, you know, I I kind of would have liked to have cut it. I would have liked to have cut it in favor of like a more simple cursing, mm. just like maybe just she sees the woman in the parking lot. The woman just snatches a button off her coat, and then gives it the it. curse, and then that's it. Like that because then again because again. The fact that you don't then go to all that effort to turn the woman into a creature, Mm -hmm. like, allows me to kind of then sit more with the fact that it's not just the curse itself, but also the fact that Christine is still grappling with, like, you know, the... The, the consequences of her actions. Right, yeah. And, and, and then you can still have the woman appear later as, like, you know, uh, uh, you know a manifestation mm-hmm. when the curse is actually happening. It just, it, it, it really pulled me out of the movie to literally have that entire outrageous fight sequence, like, happen in real life. And like, that just, that really pulled me out of it. I, I, so I wasn't the biggest fan of that. It's a clever sequence, though. I, I like it. Um, and I like, because uh, it, it's it's close quarters and there's a lot of action happening yeah. with inside the car. Now to film the action, 
uh, which included, again, like close-ups of Christine jamming her foot on the pedal, hitting the brake, shifting gears. The team had to create a puzzle car, which could come apart and allow the front engine compartment, the back trunk, as well as the four sides to come away and also the roof to come off in two directions so that they can get the camera in in the angles that they wanted. That's cool. To film it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's a thing. Like I said, like in a vacuum, I think it's it's a pretty great sequence. Mm -hmm. Like it's you know, it's very, very clever, very dynamic. And like, yeah, like having all those tight angles, like, you know, an impressive feat. I just think. I don't know. From a story from a story perspective, didn't work for me. So uh, we already talked a little bit about the seance. The other big set piece is when uh, she digs up the grave. Too. Yeah, that one was intense. I was like really on board with so that. So good. Like, uh, yeah. And again, like it's it's so campy over the top. But yeah, that's it, there's there's a lot of like chilling, terrifying stuff in that sequence. Yeah, yeah. I, that one I found really fun, and especially just I I really appreciated like. The, the bit of a scare when it's like, oh, God, did she, like, just foist the curse <laughs> off only to fucking get knocked out and drown right. in mud? I was like, ooh, that would have been a fucked up ending. The, the, um, all, the, the whole, all, like, the visual gags of, like, how the old lady is, like, dead, but she's still... Like, manages to rip fucking hair off of for her. her life, so to speak. It's so great. I think yeah. it is over the top, but it's fantastic. yeah. And and again, it's like you know, even you know, e- even with my criticisms of like the car fight in the beginning, mm-hmm. like you know, I th- I still think that like having the the having the carcass of this old lady be such a formidable foe <laughs> is actually fine. Yeah. It's actually totally fine for like the level that the movie is operating mm-hmm. off of. Like, I think that does work. Um, I, I do think that like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just that that parking lot sequence really alien. But do you think that, do beginning. you think then that the intention of Christine, because you said that you feel empathy for, for Mrs. Ganush, do you think that the intention of Christine to curse her is then, do you, do you, find that you you mean oh you mean for christine to curse the woman back right um i mean uh, well at that point i think it's well it's it's one of those things where where i think it's like it, it it makes sense from a character perspective because i think it's that like you know because obviously like christine is suffering through the movie um and 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 so like i think like that's fine that's fine that like she gets to have her moment of like you know that she's been kicked on throughout the entire film because again i think like she's being shit on even before the curse happens and stuff like that and then obviously the curse really kicks that into high gear for Mm -hmm. her so i i'm 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 very on board with her having like a moment of triumph where she's like yes i got the fucking better of you right and 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 all that stuff um i think that's fine to have that moment and then to follow that up with her, you know, both acknowledging her own responsibility mm-hmm. and then subsequently having like that nice reversal at the end where she does get dragged into hell. Right. Um, so, like, I think I think all that stuff still tracks for me. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think all that works and it, and, it, and it and it wraps up the arc in a way that I do think is is satisfying. Right. And it yeah. is kind of a comeuppance, too, because she's like she intends to give the curse back. But really, she didn't at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like, yeah, I think that that totally works. Uh, stage actress Lor- uh, Lorna Raver auditioned for the role of Mrs. Ganush, and Raver was not actually aware of the specific nature of her character until she was cast, um, stating that all she'd read was that it was about a little old lady coming into the bank because they're going to 
foreclose her house. And it was only later that she read the script and she said her reaction was, quote, oh, my. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I would imagine indeed. <laughs> Let's go into our next segment. This one's called Boob Tube. There's um, not a lot of sex or really no nudity in the movie. Not really. Yeah. yeah. One one instance of implied sex, I think. Right. Like and they kind of kiss shower and scenes. cut to the thing. And I mean, they have a very loving relationship. Yeah. I, I actually like that the central relationship is fairly sweet. Yeah, I do too. Like, Justin Long, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a sweetie. What a sweetie. Back um, in the 2000s when Hollywood tried to make him a star. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I appreciate him, and and I and I really liked his presence in the movie. Um, again, just sort of like that mix of horror and comedy thing, because mm-hmm. like I mean, his his career track is definitely pretty strongly in the comedy lane, right? So I think like this, so, he was, but he was playing the straight man, but yeah, he was very much a straight man in this movie, but like in a in a in a in, a, in an affable, adorable right. way that I, I I appreciate, and and like in a way that I think like does a very good job of like sort of like he he actually is is you know a pretty a pretty like supportive like figure in Christine's life very much and so, and, I think, and yeah. like uh so so I I really appreciated that like his primary role in the film was kind of to lift her up mm-hmm. more often than not he and to, like, be a, yeah and and I think that that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. um yeah um she needed I think like a strong um moral center and to yeah. like the eye of the storm so to speak to a little bit yeah yeah and, and again and I, and I think that works that works in terms of like you know the fact that the movie is about her own you know moral compass mm-hmm. and and moral reckoning so like yeah i think to for to I, I it's it's it was nice to have a character who kind of believes in her goodness throughout the film um, it's a, yeah. a funny uh, bit of trivia about Justin Long. So uh, if you notice in the movie, he's always using Apple products. His computer is an Apple product. He has an iPhone. And what's hilarious is at the time, Justin Long was the spoke or a spokesman for um, for, for Apple. They, it was, I did not know this. It was back when they were doing the I'm an Apple, I'm a, I'm a PC commercials oh, with him and, and John that's Hodge. that's right, those. Mm-hmm. John, John Hodgman, sorry. Yes, I remember those, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if that was like a stipulation of him being in the movie that he had to use that, I don't know, but uh, mm. it's, just, it's just a weird connection, mm. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I have many strong feelings about you know the role of banks in this oh, movie. Robert. So yeah, uh, you know, um, I'm in a very I'm in a very capitalist skepticism phase of my life right now. So like, right now, always. Well, yeah. Now, Alison Lohman has stated uh, to the Daily Record that uh, shooting the film was such a hard experience. And such hard work. Oh, she was the one who played Christine? Uh, Christine. Okay, cool. That she had to drink shots of tequila every night just to get some sleep. She's, she doesn't enjoy horror films in her regular life, but to prepare for the role of Christine, she watched many horror films, um, including The Shining, for example. Wow. <laughs> to really yeah. get into that mentality. Yeah. I mean, I mean The Shining... The Shining holds a special place for me because I think, like, in 
in a sense, I think The Shining maybe was, like, kind of the first horror film that, like, yeah, might have been, like, the first, like, legit horror film that I think I sort of, like, watched. So, oh, like, wow. a friend of mine was like, yeah, you gotta watch, watch this, and we're gonna watch it. It's a terrifying it. one. And, and, yeah, they were just like, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get over your arbitrary fear of all <laughs> horror films, and you're gonna watch The Shining, and, and you're gonna like it. And I did like it. Yeah, it's uh, really good. So, um, yeah, it's it's, yeah, if you're gonna talk about the fundamentals of horror... Yeah, um, but I feel bad though that like apparently she had to drink tequila every night to make it through the show. Calm her nerves, oh, I guess. She was man. so afraid, but yeah. she did great. She, yeah, she gives a great performance mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, she really had like the uh, the innocent former farm girl thing down, and the, yeah, the haunted and, and past. I thought that. when yeah, just like I, I I think that yeah, she she really has like this yeah, like just that that sense of like. On edge, but also like able to rally, like when mm. she needs to. Like oh, she, yeah. she she's brings a strong a lot, person. Yeah, she brings a lot of power to the role. But like, because you have in, a sense, you have a sense, sense that like way. every everything that she's had, she's had to like fight for herself. Kind yeah, of thing. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that yeah, she's she's a very strong character in that regard. Now we talked about at the beginning how you know this this was yet another like feminist horror film, um, uh, and. We we watched Teeth recently in Jennifer's Body. Those dealt with issues of female sexuality. Uh, and this movie, um, to me, and it's the undercurrent that a lot of people have picked up on, is dealing with uh, issues of, of body image, um, specifically where it comes to eating disorders. And I really feel like that's what the movie is. It's a, it's a metaphor for Christine's eating disorder um, which specifically tracks as bulimia, but um, but it could be any eating disorder. Really, it doesn't it doesn't have any specifics. But um, the way that the horror manifests in her life um, and and the past that she's coming from, like you know, she's always reminded of how she was a larger girl um, when she was a farm girl, and now she's not. There there are specific scenes where she references the fact that she's a vegetarian now. She. Um, when Justin Long catches, she's never seen eating, eating in the movie. Like all her male um, counterparts, all the other actors are always eating. And every time that she's in the scene with food, she's not eating. The only two times that we see her eating is when she's eating ice cream. Uh, Clay, Justin Long's character, asks her, I thought you were lactose intolerant. And she says she's she's not, but she just wanted to eat ice cream. And actually, it's it's well known. Or what, she she said she is lactose intolerant. She is lactose intolerant, but, but, but yeah. she wanted to eat ice cream. Uh, it seems to come across that that's just an excuse that she gives not to eat ice cream. Uh, and it's, you know, well documented that people, uh, a lot of people who have the, the disorder of a bulimia, um, they'll eat things like ice cream because it's really easy to purge ice cream as opposed to other um, food. Um, every time that the the beast manifests in her house, it starts in the kitchen with the rattling of the pans that you picked up on. Mm. Um, she and, and at Clay's family, it happens with the cake that she baked and she doesn't get to eat it. Everybody else is eating it, but she doesn't. The fly that enters her, their, her mouth and then growls in her stomach, is that the fly growling or is it the, her growling from hunger? Um, the whole movie is about things trying to get in and out of her mouth. Uh, we picked up on the maggots, the embalming fluid, the handkerchief flying into her mouth and she captures it. And you picked no. up on the hand going into the mouth. 
Um, Interesting. Even Mrs. Ganush is can be seen at, or can be read as a reflection of who she is on the inside. She has the brittle nails uh, and the the you know the, the, decaying, the teeth. decaying teeth. All that comes from eating disorders. Um, the the tearing of the clumps of hair. It's well known that people with eating disorders lose their hair, uh, and and so you could read different things. Like for example, going back to the car scene, what you were saying that reads uh, that's reality, but it all could also be a hallucination brought by the eating disorder, where maybe you know she passed out or something, and then she had a car accident. And then when she came to, like, that's how she remembered the event. But it could be very well because she was weak from hunger. Um, and hmm. and so a lot of people have picked up on, on that specifically. I actually think that that is a really good reading of what the movie is, even if it's not 100% always a hallucination, even if it is, like, her experiencing a curse. I still think that the movie works as a metaphor for her eating disorder. Huh. That's really interesting. Um, those are, yeah, those are, those are very compelling details. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Again, uh, I mean, I think that reading helps track a little bit more as far as like again, just how heightened the that that car scene that I keep harping right. on right. is, and and my whole beef with it because right. like again, it's like. It tears me out of the movie mm-hmm. in in a very extreme way. If if I'm if I'm to understand that that is something that right. is happening in the realm of reality, mm-hmm. so um, so I I I I appreciate that that read. Um, and uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and even in that that scene. We like you said, like we have the the lady like gnawing at her face, like almost like trying to get into her mouth. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. There's um, a lot of oral fixation in this movie. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, that's that's fascinating. Um, uh, is is there much from the director on how how much of those how much of those sort of little hints are? Well, Sam Raimi hasn't like flat out confirmed it. Yeah. But um, but he does when 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 we talk about the movie and the making of the of the film and uh, and I think it's a pretty deliberate choice also just from watching the film but uh, he he has hinted at it, it, it and there's enough of a hint between yeah. like what he said of the, about the movie and from the movie itself that it that it's like a that's the prevailing theory amongst the fans hmm. of the film yeah I mean I I find it compelling and mm-hmm. I mean um, yeah just from this first viewing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that I necessarily see anything that uh, that contradicts it. Um, I because even yeah. like the delivery of the curse back to the old lady is like by putting it in her mouth, like sho- like she says yeah. literally, "I'm going to shove it down your throat." Yeah, Jesus. And when she's at the coffee shop, she's only drinking coffee, and the lady is like, "Aren't you going to drink eat anything else?" And she's like, "No." But then we see her eating ice cream again. The mm. only thing that she ever eats is is ice cream. Wow, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I, um, yeah, I feel like I would want to give the film another watch, mm-hmm. kind of like having that reading, you know, in the forefront of my mind. But um, that's that's really fascinating. But how do you think that that informs your perspective of the character? Um, and uh, and do you think that the film is 
successful in portraying like a a woman's struggle. Maybe maybe not exactly like you know with with the. I mean, I think. Disorder, but, well, I think know, it, it definitely. I think it definitely bolsters kind of the. It, it bolsters like the character's viewpoint because I think again, like you know, the film has already laid the groundwork. You know, the the more obvious groundwork in terms of um, how. Again, like how her male colleagues treat her, right. um, how she, you know, is, you know, working very hard uh, to, you know, to, you know, be able to assert her sense of competence mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and her ability to kind of uh, uh, to, you know, yeah, to, to kind of like just be secure in this new life for herself. Shut her past. Um, and, and also I think that like, um, you know. Eating disorders are a, you know, a, a form of, like, trauma that, Very you know, young. is – that, that are absolutely, like, a, a product of, like, you know, societal expectations of women. And she like, also mentions uh, – yeah. uh, I forgot to mention this, but sorry, I interrupt. But she also mentions that her mom is an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's well known that a lot of these disorders come from troubled – troubled home situation yeah exactly that's the thing is that like yeah you've got the hints about like the fact that she clearly wants to leave behind her former life Mm -hmm. um the fact that she you know is uh perpetually you know underestimated and undervalued by her male colleagues Mm -hmm. um and uh the fact that she is you know working as hard as she can to to advance her position and to you know to to rewrite her own life in in a way that you know she wants to and to seize agency Mm -hmm. um so uh so yeah and and while i'm certainly not up on my like research on eating disorders um yeah the as far as what i understand about them uh you know yeah again like just the 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 double standards about societal expectations of women versus men plays you know from what i understand a pretty big role in 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 eating disorders that like there's there's a lot there's a lot of personal stuff that gets wrapped up in it too but like yeah so i think that yeah, this movie, this movie having a, a subtext about eating disorders, um, yeah, definitely tracks. How does it um, stack up compared to Teeth and Jennifer's Body um, as far as how it portrays, like, how it uses horror as a metaphor for um, a femininity? Um, I mean, I think, like, maybe if, I mean... Uh, again, if if like if I were to like give it another watch and and to kind of keep all those details in mind and to see that like the movie seems to gel in that way, I'd almost say that maybe it's kind of the most successful of the three hmm. uh, because because again it's like I think that um, you know horror the you know the the idea behind horror done right is that like you know a horror you know horror is is the manifestation right. of of our demons right. of uh and an and so and so it's like obviously the you know the first layer is uh the 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 is the manifestation of like a, an individual character's demons but then obviously you know to kind of go beyond to a broader societal demon and 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 evoking that so mm-hmm. i think like yeah for if for if so yeah if we're going to go with if we're going to go with the eating disorder lens, um, then yeah, I think this movie kind of nails it by hmm. like having by having it work on that level, right. while also at the same time 
and 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 I think it, it maintains its coherency and again because I think that like if if that if we're gonna apply that lens then like yeah. Uh, it, it makes it makes the movie make more sense. Mm-hmm. Like again, because it it allows me to it allows me to it, it, it gives me a, a, an explanation for that parking garage sequence right. that I hate so much. <laughs> um, but so uh, so yeah, I think um, yeah that that I think makes it a, a a bit of a bigger success. I think um, especially because I think like the movie still doesn't shy away from like the fact that it has to give you thrills as well. Right. And, yeah. and, and, it, and, and, and that like, th- as far as like existential dread, like of all three films, I think this one has it because mm-hmm. like, again, like the, the horror that, you know, that, you know, is like just lurking around the corner for the main character. Like it, 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 it tracks with like her arc right, in the film right. because it's again about her own sense of guilt, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then I think that's further bolstered by the eating disorder reading as well because like that's again another layer of trauma that mm-hmm. like is just you know this this punishment that she puts herself right. through. So um, right. so yeah, I think um, it's like uh, it's it's horror that's almost like self. Self-actualized, self-perpetuated, and self-fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and because, like, it literally, like, it it, 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 the movie ends with her stopping dead in her tracks. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite literally. It's uh, crazy. We we almost have to end the podcast right there with that line. We can't even go any further. Oh my god, stopping dead in her tracks. Well, no, and 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 it makes sense because, like, again, it's like she, you know, we we get the reversal at the end of the movie, but it comes after she self actualized mm-hmm. in a way, and she self actualizes, she but too late. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that she she self actualizes by admitting something that she had been putting off mm-hmm. in the movie. So yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but even like the even the the nosebleed tracks with that because uh, people with eating disorders have low iron, and one of the things that happened with low you iron is you get more. you yeah. get more bleeding more nosebleeds. Yeah. All right, let's go into the next segment. This one's called uh, that's problematic. I want to attack the obvious one first. Yes, please. Uh, which is the use of the word gypsy, but not just the word gypsy but the entire culture of the Romani people to (laughs) perpetuate, like, this trope of the evil gypsy curse. You know, it's like, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's like, it's always either, like, indigenous people or it's Romani people. It's just like, it's just like taking this, you know, just like the you know the, the this like whole culture that like that that exists at odds with mm-hmm. like western civilization you mm-hmm. know what i mean and and it just and it and it takes this culture that western civilization brutalizes systemically over generations oh, yeah. and then mysticizes it and makes it into this like existential threat for mm-hmm. our you know our predominantly white protagonists. Yeah, the Romani people have uh, historically been the brunt of persecution, prejudice. Yeah. Um, I mean, f- pretty much to the 
point of almost, if not actual ethnic cleansing, I would say. Yeah. They've been driven from their homes, like, yeah. left and right. Yeah. Um, so so the word gypsy even is one of it's one of those perjurative terms that at one point may have been, you know, like self applied because they were Egyptian. But yeah. it's like one of those things that over time when they're used pejoratively, it, it gains a negative connotation. Yeah. And, and and I would at one yeah, and, and I would say I'm I'm certainly not particularly well read on Romani culture for mm-hmm. sure. Um I do think that there are some there are some like Romani cultural organizations here and there yeah. where where, where they do where, where they the where, well where they where they do use the term gypsy to apply to themselves. Right. Um, but that said, for for other people right. to 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 bandy that term about again because like the term Romani does not appear in this film at all. Right. So like all again that just that that alone the fact that that's the word choice and that the whole movie is about the gypsy curse mm-hmm. the gypsy curse like that's that that is incredibly problematic and, and so, using yeah. and I've and it's hard to to find and especially in pop culture I would say it's hard to find an example of someone using the word gypsy or gypsy in a term that doesn't come with a negative connotation, you know, like whenever you say you cheat someone, you say you gyp them or whenever you do the switch and bait, you say you did a, the gypsy switch. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it just, it's just loaded with a bunch of like negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and especially, especially when, um, yeah, especially when it is your your predominantly white cast. Though I mean, obviously the 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 person who first puts them on to what the source of the curse is uh, is not a white person. Yeah, but, he's South Asian, um, but uh, and then and also the uh, medium is is Latinx. Yeah, yeah, but um, but but that aside, you know, they're they are they are the allies of our of our white Westerners, though, right? In any case, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and we do get like the scene, um, the, the funeral scene, which uh, is is pretty lively as far as funerals go. And there is a lot of like culture, I guess, for lack of a better word, packed in there. So I at the very least appreciate that the movie doesn't paint the culture completely in a negative stereotype. Yeah, that scene. I mean, it's just like. That scene just kind of like went by so fast, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it just, it, it, they, they, you know, it, it, and it's interesting because like it went by so quickly, but like you know, it was a packed scene, just yeah, like in terms of, of the happen. sheer number of people. But it's like it's just like there are so many people in that room, so many things going on, so many different like trinkets mm-hmm. and you know different like potential cultural signifiers here and there, and. But, like, it just, it all goes by so fast that, like, there's, like, not even enough time for, like, us to just get enough camera coverage right. to, like, even see what the room looks like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we just, there's there's no time for, like, just any establishment. Yeah, we just shots. follow Christine. And, there, yeah. and, and I get that, I sort of get that from, like, a directoral point of view that, like, yeah, you want to... You know, you want to you want to convey her sense of confusion as she's going into the situation. Um, But but yeah, it just it all went by so fast that like I didn't even get a chance to really see whether they were trying to paint that much of a culturally Mm -hmm. appropriate portrayal of these Romani folk or whether it was, you know, just kind of more bad 
cultural stereotypes. Now, so. the, the, the language that they, the Romani people in the film, or at least Mrs. Ganush, that they speak in the film is Hungarian. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if, uh, again, uh, I think I mentioned it to you, but I'm not sure uh, if the Romani people have a Romani language yeah. or if they just speak the language of the lands that they inhabit. I'm not sure. The, yeah, this, this is something I don't... I again, I'm not that well read mm-hmm. on, so um, but so it I, is I interesting to note. Rightly. But it is um, interesting to note that the Raimi brothers, Sam and Ivan, who who wrote the movie and then Sam directed, um, they are, their family comes from Hungary. That's their background. Okay. They're, they're Hungarian Jews. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that that excuses the fact that they use the word gypsy so prominently, or yeah. or use or, the, or, or, the trope. But yeah. at least you can get the the feelings like, well, they're maybe using some a, a, something from the folklore of where their family yeah. comes from. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like that even if you know, even if you're gonna go, if if you're gonna go and kind of like use that trope, like any any work that you can do to kind of like give like a more nuanced cultural context will yeah, help. Absolutely. Will help a little bit. Um, like just give it as much nuance as possible, or even maybe just like do something to deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. Like give us, you know, give us some sort of subversion of it that, like, you know, it's an easy, that, like, yeah. It's it's just that again, it's like what you know, when when all said and done, when you look at the lump sum, it's just you know, it it it's still at the end of the day is just like you know uh, a a gypsy curse, right? That 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 we, and, which is and, really and, problematic, and, and yeah, so and it's, it's and I great. feel like the. The like you like you mentioned about the indigenous people like you know when we watched Pet Cemetery yeah the, the that was about the the Indian burial ground yeah um and I and that use in horror which is a very common trope of using the other the magic other yeah is pretty problematic and it almost comes across like it's it's like the easy way out almost like you know you instead of like trying to create a new way to code this this horror you're just falling back on the trope so yeah uh, this other culture that no one understands so they must be magic it's like in like in child's play with the whole like voodoo thing like being the the impetus for the for the doll it's like you don't if you can still kind of have the the movie without the voodoo thing but they had to find a way to explain it, so they're like, "Hey, let's just go with voodoo." Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, why? Why do you keep having to just like go and misinterpret other cultures to do right. it, and 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 sort of prolong these like really damaging stereotypes? Like, just not not cool, yo. Mm-hmm. Not cool. It would be interesting, like, to do like uh, like what would be like the like a like a white equivalent to that? Because I don't see that in you know horror. I don't know, films, like right? the. Western civilization has plenty of ghost stories and legends. I'm sure, like, but tied to like to to a to a white culture's magicness, like the inherent. I mean, the inherent magic of white <laughs> culture. Uh, that's what we call white privilege, my friend. <laughs> um, that they don't have that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. That, Problematic. Uh, that, that, that's that's the real <laughs> horror film right there, right there. So. All right, um, so that's like the big obvious one. The other one that I want to talk about, um, it's not that problematic to me, but it's I think that it's a fair point. So I've got to bring it up because there, even though this film was fairly critically acclaimed at the time, um, some critics have complained that there seems to be a 
misogynistic undertone to the backlash of the type, uh, like it's like a type of warning that the movie seems to be giving to women to not be too ambitious. That women have to stay in their helper servant type mode, and if they try to get competitive or flex a little corporate strength in the office the way men do all the time, they will get sent to hell. What do you mm. think about that complaint? Which I think it is fair. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get that. I get that reading. Um, I think for me personally, like uh, it's it. Again, I, I think for me, the the thing that just that kind of outweighs that message. Again, it kind of comes back to just that for me. The the big villain of the film is the fucking bank, right? So, like, I think that like that's the greater evil at the end of the day, and 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 that it's this whole the you know, uh, for for me, I think it, like the it's it's so clear that like the. This this patriarchal system within which she's trying to operate is is wholly damaging in its own right, right. Um, and and is is kind of and 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 the fact that and there is misogyny there and, and and that she is and you know that she is trying to like while I get that like yes she is trying to to find her place within that system um, but I think that that is the crime so mm-hmm. like I. I don't take it as a cautionary tale to women right. to not try to roll with the big boys. I take it more as just like capitalism sucks. Ca- capitalism <laughs> sucks, and which I know, think is, and, a, is and, a good and read. When, on it. And when someone tries to get a leg up in in a system that kicks down most people who are not men be dragged and white, mm-hmm. then yeah, it just it, it drags us all down to hell at the end. So. I think that's a really good reading. I, I yeah, I don't think that it's. Even though I think it's a fair criticism to make, I don't think that it's problematic to me because I don't think that that's the movie's takeaway. Yeah, that's the thing. I I I, I get why you would have that reading, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, that's not my yeah. All right, so we're winding down in our discussion here. We uh, wa- watched and discussed "Drag Me to Hell." Final thoughts, Ned. What do you think? Is this a bad movie? A so-so movie? Good movie? Great movie? At the end of the day, where do you fall? I mean, again, I wasn't sure where I was going to land on this at the beginning of the discussion. So sometimes honestly, you got to live with it. So, you know? so like, yeah, having lived with it a little bit and um, having uh, heard that that really great um, that really great uh, eating disorder lens that it has, um, I'm going to say uh, pretty good, pretty good movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think, again, I need to give it another watch just because <laughs> I think a big part of it is just, like, again, expectation. Right. Um, it's just, like, that the whole expectation thing kind of fucked with me a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and, and and I'm really curious to just kind of see how the eating disorder I tried to give up. you at the beginning, I tried to say three stooges. I tried to I know, give, you did. I you really did. Give it you really you. did. And, and I don't know. I just, I, I guess I was expecting it to go one way, but it, it went the other. So I, don't, I don't know what it is, but... Um, I so, feel like but, I feel like every time I do that though I fail horribly. Nah, nah, it's it's cool. It's cool. We we can't we can't have too many expectations. Um, but yeah, ultimately I really enjoyed it. Mm, so. Good. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great movie. I I it's not one of his. It's not one of his like best movies, but it's up there in the upper echelons. I think of his work. Like obviously it's not as good as. Uh, the Evil Dead movies, with the exception maybe of Army of Darkness. This one might be better than Army of Darkness, but. Um, uh, I think, I mean, I love Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi, so I'm a little biased that way. I really dig his, uh, his style, the, the canted shots, the, the, 
slapstick, the visual jokes, the cartooniness of it all. And just like, you know, you're he's not afraid to to swing for the fences, you know? He's like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna show you something that's like pan-terrifyingly, like just like really horrifying, but I'm gonna make you laugh doing it. And, <laughs> I, and I appreciate that. And I, and I dig his style even, I think that that style is pervasive in his Spider-Man movies, um, especially in Spider-Man 2, which is my favorite of the Raimi Spider-Mans. Um, and the most Raimi of the three, there is that great scene in the hospital where uh, Doc Ock's claws come to life which is vintage horror Raimi. And again, it's all like splatter, violence, and a lot of slapstick humor. Um, and I just I just dig that. I, li- I like that about his style. Uh, so I might be a little biased again, but taking this, trying to look at it objectively as a movie about a woman's struggle with uh, her past and her guilt, as you were saying, and trying to like come to terms with her own decisions and and and, and um, the horror that follows her through that end. I think it's a really successful movie. It's a lot of fun. Every time that I watch it, it's like a like a like a thrill ride, you know? It's like yeah. that you can watch you can you can go on the Pirates of the Caribbean or you can watch Drag Me to Hell, you know? <laughs> it's a, you get the same level of like cheese tastic like scary factor, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely compelling from beginning to end. There certainly wasn't anything about it that like Fully checked me out, mm-hmm. save for again the parking the, the garage thing. Seat. That that again, I needed clearly a little bit of extra context. It's okay. To get it's okay to not with. know. <laughs> hey, this is the beauty uh, again, of this. Con- again, we'll we'll see how it holds up on a second viewing. That specific scene mm-hmm. is is the is the is the thing that's on the chopping block for me. The but, beauty uh, <laughs> of this podcast is that we can have our own opinions. We don't have to agree on everything, but at the end of the day, we both love movies and we both love watching movies and discussing them so it's i think it's it's great that you don't like that scene i happen to love that scene (laughs) and i think that's great that we disagree on that um so uh yeah i think it's a great movie um thank you so much for watching drag me to hell with me ned always a pleasure never Um, have to drag me drag me (laughs) to the movies yes yes Uh, hey maybe when the movie when the theaters start opening up Maybe drag you to the. Yeah, you'll be dragging me because like oh I, I, I ain't oh fucking going outside for a minute. Oh I'm saying god. like I swear to God. Yeah. I hope that you join me next time to watch another exciting movie, and we hope that you guys out there join us too to watch another schlocky masterpiece. Until then, don't turn away the old lady. Invite her to watch a movie with you. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just, you guys always bring the very best violence. Just, I hope we're gonna have some good.